Money. You can't really get through life without it. Some people use it to define success. Others use it to attain freedom. Whatever your motivation, you need to know how to earn it, how to use it, and how to grow it. At Tilly Money, our aim is to build the financial strength of women. And this season, we're taking it to the next level by empowering you with practical wealth-building tips and strategies to help you become financially independent. From money to beauty to health stories, we're also going to be talking to women about the inspirational journeys they have taken to motivate you on your path towards success in all areas of your life. Our guest today is Julie Mathers, founder of Flora and Fauna. After 25 years in retail, Julie decided to use her experience to create a business that was ethically responsible. Flora and Fauna is a one-stop shop for finding ethical and cruelty-free products that give back to the community. Launched initially with 30 brands and a total of 500 products, Flora and Fauna now stocks over 300 brands and 10,000 products globally. Her aim was to create a platform for purpose and a place where people could make better choices. Leading by example when it comes to the creation of a kinder, healthier and more responsible approach to business and life, Julie was named number one in the top 50 people in Australian e-commerce in 2021 and 2019 and their Business Person of the Year. Julie also received the 2018 Telstra New South Wales Small Business and Succeeding Business Award. And those Telstra awards are something very close to my heart because I've been a judge in the past. So when I talk to Julie, I'm actually going to ask her some questions about that. Julie, welcome to Tilly Money Podcast. Thank you so much for having me on board. I'm, I'm excited about talking to you and uh, can't wait to hear the questions about Telstra. Yes, yeah, great. Well, I was a judge there for many <laughs> years and I really love that. Well, it was. Um, I actually specialised more in the um, Women in Business Awards, which I guess one day ah. when we have real total equality, there'll be no need for a separate award so we can just all compete for the one. But, um, but that's a yes. real coup for you. Yes, yes. No, I was... Um, I was I think overwhelmed is probably the best way yeah. to describe it when they when they actually said our name. Yeah, I um, know. Oh, I've seen I've seen that when emotional. I've gone to the gala dinner. It's a <laughs> it's fantastic to look at people's faces when they they announce that you know you're the winner. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it really is because it's mm. such a process to get there. It's it's it is just yeah. by the by the time you get there, it's like <gasps> wow. Mm. <laughs> it's um, and you also have a chance to see your competition, and you realise you're up against some really impressive businesses, and so to be the winner <laughs> of that, you know, that's even a greater accolade. Yeah. Mm. Oh, exactly. When we were when we were talking to the, I think at the masterclasses it is when we were talking to the others, I was going, "Well, these they're, they're amazing. <laughs> so we're totally we are not going to win this." Yes, and then when we yeah. went in. We, our table was right at the back. Yes, right at the back. So I said to my husband, "I said, oh, we're not getting it because we're right at the back." And look at that walk <laughs> to the stage. <laughs> yeah, uh, you you got it. Did that award oh, qualify it. you to be part of the Tilster alumni? Uh, yes, yes, it does. Yes, it does. Which is it's yeah. It was really great actually. The whole experience because um, 
we then went for the national awards, but we also went to kind of a Telstra, a huge conference. And um, yeah, we, we, we got a lot out of it, actually, just in general, but it was quite mm. nice. It, I don't know, I, th- I think we just felt very looked after the entire way through. That's fabulous, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. very close, sort of very heartwarming. When I think of it, I'm, I, yeah, I get quite emotional, I suppose, about that. Mm, I can understand that because, as you said, it's quite a process. It's a grueling process. Mm-hmm. You know, it's grueling. And, you know, a lot, of, a lot of candidates say that actually filling out, I haven't seen one for a couple of years, but filling out the application mm. form in itself, you learn so much about your business doing doing that. So even if you weren't the winner, you'd yeah. still have this opportunity to really inspect your business. 100%. I think we, we exactly, it, it's a great way of just digging into your business because I think also when you run your own business, you're so knee deep in the whole time, you you, you rarely stand up and stand away from it mm. and it actually enables you to do that. Mm, and so to, to Yeah, so it's, it's, it is. I remember when the judges turned up actually and it was our old warehouse and um, and the judges turned up and I and I said to the team, I said, we are as we are and we will mm. just keep doing. This is no different day. We are doing what we're doing. And we had grown out of that warehouse and a pallet had been delivered and mm. the team were outside and they're trying to unpack it. And it was just bedlam. And I was just saying to them, this is us. Yep. yep, <laughs> yep. And, you know, the it's judges would have been looking for things like that, too. You know, so and just being yeah, yourself can yeah. be such a real. You know, you're not putting a show on that's not normal to what your do, everyday activities are. Yeah, mm. definitely did that. It's great. <laughs> well, you know, we over the years um, we've had a lot to do with startup businesses. You know, and a long time ago I was a startup business myself. So, I'd like to talk to you a little mm. bit about starting your own business. And uh, in fact, we touched on that topic. Um, last week on the Tilly um, podcast. So anybody interested in that could perhaps when Jessica Olsen interviewed me about all the things you need to do. And Julie, you would know that, you know, kicking off a business, it's it's quite a chore. You know, was that your experience? Tell us a bit a bit about those early days. Yeah, it's actually really good because I've, I've rarely spoken about this actually. And um, and those early days, it was, it was very much... Uh, so what I was doing is I, I actually had I had another job as I think a lot of people do when they're starting up that business, and it really started with me going okay so here's my idea and once I'd come up with the idea I was like right well I need to register the business name register the trademark there's actually a bit of sort of admin mm. to be dealt with first. oh there's a lot yeah uh, mm. yeah there's mm. there's quite a lot before you even go well I want to get to the fun stuff yes yeah um mm. you, you can't you've got you've got to sort that stuff out and in fact someone I know 10 years into their business had not registered their trademark and someone came and copied it and they kind of didn't have a leg to stand on um so it's really important to do that stuff up front and um and and yeah it was a bit of a process in terms of because a lot I'd spent my career working working for other companies and suddenly when you're doing your own thing, you're going, well, can I, you're almost questioning yourself. Can I do that? Can I not do that? Um, when I talk to suppliers, right, I want to come, I want to buy your products off, to, off you and sell them. Okay, we need an agreement. We need a contract. And, and you're, you're coming up with all of that, all of that sort of stuff. And, and when I first started, because we, I came up with the idea in the July and we actually launched the website in November so between the July and November, I was going talking to to suppliers and brands, and 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 all I had to sell them was kind of an idea. Um, I had 
I couldn't show them anything. I couldn't show them a website. I just said, hey, this is my background and this is what I want to do. And this is what I'm doing. Um, would you like to be part of this and be on this journey? And it was really, really humbling how many of them said, yeah, we do. Um, had I been doing that now, I actually think that would be a different scenario because there are so many, so many websites starting up now. Mm, it's very um, true. Tell us, yeah. tell us a little bit about flora and fauna because in the introduction I said it was like a one-stop shop for finding ethical mm. and cruelty-free products to give back to the community. So tell us, you know, like obviously you were very motivated, you know, fierce motivation to do something in this ethical um, area. Give us some details on where did you find the idea, you know, what drove you? Fill us in there, Julie. Yeah, so um, I've always worked in retail, and I, I love, I love it as an industry. It is my my passion, and um, and I, 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 I actually prior to starting Flora and Fauna, I had a crazy idea to do a juice cleanse business, and um, and then uh, I had a friend round, and I'd, I'd actually gone quite a long way down it. So I'd done all of that admin stuff, and and I had. Um, talked about building a commercial kitchen um we we're very lucky in the house we live in we're on acreage and we have a shed warehouse thing which is where flora and fauna started but i was thinking oh, i'll build a commercial kitchen there for juicing i've kind of gone down the path quite a bit of a way and um and then um and i had a friend around and i was talking to her about this juicing thing and um and I said, I'll make you a juice. And I made her a juice. And it was awful. It was terrible. <laughs> and it was and I and it was a bit of a revelation for me personally. She didn't say anything. She was mm. ridiculously polite. But it's a bit of a revelation for me personally. I just went, this is not the right thing for me. <laughs> I am I am I'm going into a field that is actually not although I enjoy juice cleanses myself personally, mm. just because I do that doesn't mean to say I should create a business around oh, it wasn't your forte and mm-hmm. was not my forte so I just went no that's not the right thing and at the same time about the round about the same time because I just went what I, what I love is retail let's just stick to what I love that's what I love and I'm very passionate about us um I suppose how would I describe us being kinder to the planet is the best way to describe it and us living more responsibly so I'm very, very um, driven and focused on that. When I was 19, I went off to go and build solar cookers in Spain for for a while. And it's always been something where I just think we can live live better and kinder, really. So, so this is this is part of your DNA from the sounds of it, something that you're extremely passionate yeah. and drives you. Yep. Yeah, it's absolutely part of my DNA. It's from when I was a, a small child, really. Um, and, and I didn't go, grow up in the sort of the environment we have now. I grew up in uh, the north of England in a um, working class family where we lived in a, in a suburb and everyone's very, very close. And, you know, you, you don't really have land as it, as it were. And so you're, I suppose in a way less close to nature, but I was always very, my mum's very um, focused on animals and, and I am too. And she'd res- <laughs> regularly rescue kind of animals that have been knocked over on the road and, and bring them home to me as okay. a child and mm, so I did yeah mm, you've seen that firsthand yeah. yep mm. I've seen it firsthand and and um all of these things kind of manifested into I need to do something better and um 
and and one of the things, I suppose something that tipped the straw that broke the camel's back, I, I guess if you like, is I was shopping for a lipstick and I just looked at it and went, I do not know what's in you ingredient wise. And I don't know how you've been made. I don't know who's made you. I don't know whether you've been tested on animals or not. And, um, and that was a bit of the, I suppose, if you're going to have an aha moment, that was the thing that just made me go, I should create a website which sells beauty products that are not tested on animals because I find it very hard to purchase this. And that's what started it. And since that point, we've really evolved mm. and really lent into our purpose, I suppose. And found found us and discovered discovered what Flora and Fauna is. That's fantastic. You know, it's so there's the inspirational moment. That's the, uh, the aha moment. Now tell us a bit more about the gritty, nitty-gritty of making mm. that happen. You know, the reality mm. that you're starting up, did you have funds yeah. available? Were, were you paying yourself a wage? Tell us a bit more about that kind of thing. Ah, uh, yes. So um, we didn't have, we've never had any investment. So this has always been, uh, I had some savings um, that I had just saved over the years, over my working career. Not a lot, not a lot at all, but it was enough to get some shelving for our warehouse. It was enough to buy some stock up front and it was enough to create a very bad website. <laughs> okay, okay. It was, mm-hmm. yeah, it was just, it was enough to sort of get us going, but it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. And, um, and for the first, from that uh, July to November, that November, it was very much me just working all, all the hours to sort of get this live, get this, um, get products onto the website. Because this stage, obviously, you've place. got no money coming in either, have you? No, 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 no. But I was working during the day. So I did have a salary during the day, which was, um, yeah, so so that kind of um, the side hustle, as it's however they call it now, um, that that kind of, I suppose, made me relax a little bit because I'm not stressing out too much about the fact that, oh, my gosh, this is literally feeding me and paying the mortgage, Um I, I was doing that during the day. So this is sort of evening hours where I was preparing this. Okay. And when did you um, cut the umbilical cord and mm, le- leave your day yeah. job and go fully into flora and fauna? It was after about two years. So it was two years um, where it was just myself and my husband. I think towards the end of those two years, we actually recruited a couple of people to start packing orders. Um, but for a good year and a half, it was just Tom and I. And then we both, um, and it got to the point where Flora and Fauna was more than an evening and weekend um, thing, <laughs> and and we needed to we needed to make a decision. Actually, we needed to say, okay, are we going to do something serious with this and really put our money where our mouth is, or are we not? And it was very much that call, yeah. So obviously, obviously, us, you made the serious decision, and that's led to where. We obviously made the serious yeah. decision. But what what steps yeah. did you take then? What do, what did you do? So you and Tom said, "Not we we feel that we've nope. got a real opportunity here. We're going to go ahead." Yeah. Did you then toss in your day jobs? Did you go we to your do. accountant and we sit did. down? You you tell us. Yeah, yeah. So we we did. We both resigned, left our day jobs, um, and 
we were very conscious. So one thing we've done the whole way along has been very planned about everything. And uh, and I think that is really, really important when you're doing this because it is a risk. Now, tell, um, it, tell us and, a little bit when you say you were very planned. Tell, tell us about what were you planning? Uh, so we were planning in terms of marketing spend. We were planning, we basically did a PL. So I did a PL forecast, which is something I've done my entire career, actually, or certainly for the last 10 years. So this wasn't unusual to me. But um, sales forecasts, costs, um, cost estimations, how much we're going to spend on marketing, but also we accepted the fact that we would not be able to pay ourselves for about two years. And we built that in to our planning, our personal planning as well. Mm. And this this so P&L, we kind of, that this PL that you did, yeah. profit and loss, which is a really smart yes. move, did you get I know you said that you'd done that yourself, you know, for a couple of years, but yeah. did you get an accountant to come in and help you um, realize, you know, correct, you know, no. look at tax, or were you still no. kind of free floating? Yeah, no, um, no, between Tom and I, we've so the the only time we've used an accountant over the last six years is to do sort of year end. Um, but other than that, so Tom looks after the finances now. So I very much look at it from a management profit and loss and forecasting sales and budgets and blah, blah, blah. And Tom manages it um, from an actual do the bass, do the month end, blah, 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 blah. So, yes. So we have an accountant who we use and we can absolutely reach on if, you know, reach out to if we have any questions or if there's something where we go, gosh, are we doing this right? Should we be accounting like this or what are the principles that we should be using? But we've been pretty self-sufficient on that but I think we're quite well versed in it so that's um the first seven months of my career not that I learned much to be honest but the first seven <laughs> months of my career was an accountant okay, so okay. um although so you had, you had a skill a very there. very yeah. long time ago yeah. I had, a, I had a, a very basic skill <laughs> yeah well I mean in the early <laughs> days sometimes it is the basic skill that will get you through so when did you get yeah. to that pivotal point that you're still maybe not paying yourself wages, but eventually, you know, obviously mm-hmm. you, you don't have to. When did you think, well, we need more help here? And what did you do about that? And what skills did you have to take that extra yeah. step about building and growing the business? Yeah, we. I think it was around um, the third year when we brought some people on in the, in the warehouse to really help us. Um, and then we needed to bring on more people. It was actually a really big month. And um, I, I'm tempted to say this was July 2017. It's either 2017 or 2018, but it was Plastic Free July, which um, is, is less of a thing now, actually, because I think more people realise that Plastic Free is important. But at the point, at that point, it was almost quite new to people. And when and our sales doubled month on month, and um, and we 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 had a bit of a surprise with it, I suppose, and um, and so we ended up um, um, having to recruit very very quickly. So we and had how did to recruit, you go about recruit. that, Julie? Was it local local people, seek yeah. friends and family? Yeah. How did you manage that process? We did something very uh, different. Um, we put it on social media. Mm. So we reached out to our community on social media because we were in a desperate kind of, we need people. And we're also based in Galston, which is about 50 minutes north of Sydney and not very accessible. No, but a beautiful <laughs> area. 
a stunning area. So if you like a view, it's brilliant. Um, so we just we just reached out on our social media and we said, hey, we're looking we're looking for people to come and join our team. Is anyone interested? And um, we had about twenty people apply, and um, a week later we had ten people who started. Fantastic. Mm. So yeah, so that has been a re- and in fact we just re- currently we're recruiting for a customer care manager and um, we have put it on some job platforms. And we're doing some more interviews today. And the people who we're doing interviews with are people who've come through our community through social media and the website because they sort of get get us as a business. Um, so I'm a big fan of you re- reach out to your community because they're Definitely. probably, if they, if, mm. yeah, they might know people. Yeah, no, totally understand. So where is your warehouse at this stage? Are you still operating from where you are no. on the property? Or? <laughs> No, it's terrifyingly small. When we look at it now, we go, how did we manage? Um, we are now in North Rocks, so near Parramatta. And, um, and yeah, our warehouse is now about 10, 12 times the size of where we were originally, although although we're, we're growing out of out of the one we're in. Mm, that's so, hmm. Yeah, so we're going to have to move again at some point soonish. <laughs> well, tell us about, that's a fantastic growth story. Um, tell us about some of the challenges, you know, that I love hearing the fabulous stuff, but for people, you know, listening yeah. to this kind of thing, you know, because the, there's a reality about running a business. It's fabulous. Yeah. You love it. You're passionate. It's your inspiration. You're doing what you like. But that doesn't mean that it's easy. Well, maybe maybe it is easy. Tell us about that. Tell us about challenges. It is challenges. definitely not yeah. easy. Yeah, it is most definitely not easy. And there's so many challenges. I think I always say to people who are um, looking at running the business are you prepared to really commit everything um because that's what we've had i mean and i can only speak from my experience but we have absolutely had to commit everything to flora and fauna so that is evenings weekends i really haven't had a day off in an incredibly long time um and there are challenges along the way and it is very, very stressful. And any any fellow, I suppose, entrepreneur, founder who I've spoken to is in the same boat. It is very, very stressful. The things that I suppose keep us up at night, um, cash flow. Cash flow is is always it's it's probably the biggest challenge which is always on, if you like. Um, particularly when you are a business that um, is founder owned with no investment. So it's a balancing act. And when you have things like COVID that happen where you suddenly have huge spikes in sales, it's it's challenging because you kind of want to be able to keep in stock, but at the same point, you don't want to give yourself a problem that you can't <laughs> deal with no. later. Because that's, Julie, you, so, you've, hit, you've hit on something so important because you might do on your profit, on your um, projections, that you're up for really good revenue that year and you think, oh, I'll be right, you know, mm. over the year I'm yeah. going to earn, you know, a lot of money, a lot of revenue, a lot of sales and revenue from those sales. Yeah. But something might happen where you've sold the product, you've paid for the product that, you know, that you've then distributed, mm. but nobody's paid due because that's that's what you're honing in on, isn't it? It's not profit, it's yeah. cash flow. So It's cash flow. Mm, it's cash flow. You just cash don't, is king. It, yeah, it's, it's not... <laughs> It's people are not paying you as quickly as you're paying others. Yeah, and mm. and for us, it's less of an issue because because we're a um, direct consumer business. Uh, people pay us instantly, basically. 
So we're not, we don't have accounts or anything because it's the end consumer. So if you shop on the website, you, you pay straight away. The the challenge comes if we just buy way too much stock. A great example is hand sanitizer, which I think is a problem for every retailer I've ever known. Um, you know, you buy way too much hand sanitizer and you might be on 30 days account terms with them. And so you pay for it, but then you, you're probably going to take you about a year to sell, to sell it through. It, yeah. Yeah. How do you overcome so, things like that then, apart from staying awake at night? Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, you you have a lot of levers that you can pull, and I think it is you have to stay very calm, very sane. You can't you you have to look at your cash flow daily. We look at it daily, more than daily, and we make sure that we. It comes down to planning again and being forecast. Don't give yourself surprises. Don't overcommit. And um, I think the great thing that Tom and I have really done is really communicate with each other. So he is in, he, he is very aware of what we're doing spend-wise. So if I want to go and invest some money in such and such, it's really a conversation of, can I do that? Have we got it? Um, and I think don't overcommit on stock. Don't overcommit in general. But sometimes there are also things where you go, I need to do that. So then you might have to compromise on some other things. Um, but it's, it is just staying so close to your cash flow because there are times when you go, I just want to be an ostrich and put my head in the sand. Yes, Never yes. Oh, but you can't. <laughs> Never yeah. do that. Tell us, you I can't. should have asked this you this is, from yeah. the very beginning, but there are too many other things that yeah. took, took our interest. Um, give us some products that Flora and Fauna sells, you know, like you, probably your main product range. You, you mentioned before about you looked at a lipstick and thought, you know, what mm. what is in there? Yeah. So. Have you gone yeah. down that line of, you know, makeup, yeah. beauty products? Give us some examples. Absolutely. Yep. So we sell, so to um, preface this, the, this we um, everything is 100% vegan and cruelty-free. So that's just out of the gate. That's what we, um, that's what we look at. And then we sell makeup, skincare, personal care, so shampoo, hair care, things like um, period underwear, phenomenal products. Um, that and we find a lot of people are moving towards that, which is great for our environment. Uh, and we really focus heavily on environmental product, products, so refillable products. We have refillable makeup, uh, reusable reusable bags, reusable all the things that probably everyone has got, reusable straws, um, and uh, compostable phone cases. Where, where we've really focused, it, so we sell a lot of home products as well. Um, a very, I would say we sell clothing basics, so sustainable and ethically made underwear, um, uh, yeah, phone cases, kind of almost basic T-shirts. For us, it's about saying it, if there's something in your home that you use, is there a better alternative? Mm. So a lot of these are everyday um, items that we all use. Everyday items. But you exactly. bring in yeah. the recyclable, you know, the ethically sourced, yeah. those kind of components to these products. Is that correct? Exactly. It's it's exactly right. And if you, I look at it and sort of say, okay, um, if you go and buy um, Q-tips, cotton buds from a supermarket, um, they will typically have a plastic, um, um, oh my gosh, what's the word, wand, mm. I think, with, with cotton at the end. But that plastic wand ends up in the ocean. And there's a crazy number that... Is, I don't want to say the number because I'll probably get it wrong, but it's a huge number that we use mm. every year. Many, far of those. too many, Julie. Mm. Far too many, far too many. And so we, our alternative is bamboo. 
So they're bamboo, the cotton tips, and there's no plastic packaging. So there's just no one. If we can make a product better, we will. Today's episode is brought to you by our principal partner, Mortgage Choice. For almost 30 years, Mortgage Choice and its national network of mortgage brokers have been helping Australians just like you realise their property ownership goals. They put your best interests as their top priority because they work for you, not lenders. Whether you are looking to buy your first home or investment property or want to refinance an existing home loan to get a better deal, let a Mortgage Choice broker answer all your questions, show you what's available and do the legwork for you. Visit mortgagechoice.com.au or call 13 77 62 to speak to your local broker today. look to I mean you sound like you're inspirationally charged you know so and that's so important you know when you're building a business or you know desire to build one but who have you looked around to as for role models you know has been any or have you been too busy you know have you do, do any <laughs> names come to mind that you know I looked at her I looked at him looked at them so um yeah there are various people for various things so uh, who I have looked at and I get, I don't particularly have mentors per se, um, but I have people who I will reach out to. So there's um, a couple of Tonys actually. Okay. <laughs> there's Tony, Tony Nash, who's the CEO of Booktopia. Yep, yep. Um, and, and yeah, and he's a, he's a very just a level-headed, really cool operator. And, um, and I know Tony well, and I just reached out to him um, I spoke to him not last night, the night before. I said, "Hey, Tony, can I just can I just borrow you for five minutes?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fantastic. Mm. And it's yeah, and it's really good. So I, I've never been a fan of, and this is just because how I operate. I've never been a fan of formal mentoring. For me, I think it really works well for some people, but for me, it doesn't. Um, but where I operate really well is when I've actually got a bit of something that I want to chew the fat on. And I reach out to someone. So Tony's really good. There's another guy, um, Tony Shea, who sadly is not with us anymore. Um, he was the CEO of Zappos in the US, oh, yes. which is mm. yeah, yeah, mm. amazing, amazing retailer. And he has a, a book. Um, the shoe, the shoe business Zappos was initially, wasn't shoe. it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, shoe business. Who I think mm. they sold to um, Amazon. I think yes. Amazon or Walmart, mm. one of the two. Mm. Um, and he's all about. He is just an incredible individual, and he's all about customer experience that is was his thing so i i have been very inspired i've never met him but i've been really mm. inspired he's been by a vir- like a virtual him. mentor or a virtual source a virtual of mentor yeah yeah and i and i went um i went and over to zappos in in vegas and went on a tour around zappos and it was and it was fantastic so some of it as well is also you don't necessarily always need to meet the person but I just got incredibly inspired from touring around what he does and his operation. Um, and then there's other people. There's, a, there's an amazing lady called um, Dr. Catherine Ball, Ball, who's over here, who's kind of a futurist, but very focused on the environment. And, um, and she's, she's just inspirational. She's just an inspirational human. I, I am someone, I think it's really important to know what motivates and fires you up because I get very, very um, fired up by inspirational people. 
that's that's what motivates me. Mm, well, I'm so sure that I... some people listening to this are going to get very fired up about you because you're telling an inspirational <laughs> story as well. We forget that when you build a business, we people people think, well, gee, you know, it's amazing what you've done, but you don't see it quite like that because you're so driven um, to do yes. it. Yes. So, but you, you yeah. obviously, you know, yeah. you've found a niche and it looks like you're going really well the question that i'd like to uh, to discuss um mm. now or the answer i'd like to, to um for you to look at is <laughs> there's a lot going on in your business you know you're a family person mm. you know you um you have children and um yes and uh, so i've been told and uh <laughs> how do you you know people talk about work-life balance but but how do you juggle it all julie you know are there any kind of tips yeah. or you know, confessing moments, you know, that we're not super women, we just, we do what we can. We do what we can. I think we shouldn't beat ourselves up a little bit really on this stuff. So um, I, it, it's, I have an amazing husband and, you know, he's a work partner and a life partner. This is Tom. And I think this is Tom, this is Tom, yep. Tom, who never gets enough credit. He's one of those real um, quiet, he's a quiet achiever as Tom. And, um, and we, absolutely we are a team when it comes to work and when it comes to home um and how we have managed this so far because my children are woody is is two mm -hmm. and alfie is one Gee. so mm. they're very little yeah they're very mm. little I mm. and um um and woody also has down syndrome so he's living with a disability which actually presents challenges mm. um because we are operating at a different on a different schedule really to be yes. to be fair there's not that many challenges as a baby he just has to have physio and a few other things a few other appointment speech and things but um it just means we need to be quite organized so so we try and be really organized we try we try and be really organized but how we've managed it so far is um one of us will go to work so um one day and one of us stay at home because the, the other challenge we have is that my family is in the UK and Tom's family's in New Zealand. So we don't have that support around us. Um, and with COVID, no one's been able to visit. Um, Tom's parents, yeah, Tom's parents have just been, and which is amazing. They've just been and they've just left. So um, your parents so, may not have even met Alfie, would that be right or? Correct, correct. Mm, yeah. And and they are desperate to I meet him. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's all very sad on that front um and um but we do lots of zooms and things and keep them across it but it's not quite the same but um but yeah so we, we we very much split it we share it to be to be quite um upfront though you know that it, it it is quite challenging because there are certain times when we go we just need to be in the office together when woody was very small we just used to drag him into the office with mm -hmm. us because he was just tiny and sleeping in his pram now they are both moving and a grooving and oh, that is not oh, a reality yeah, they're on the run yeah. <laughs> um, they're on the run. I am going into the office this afternoon for a very quick half an hour to interview someone. So I'm dragging them in with me for that. Um, but um, and we have a lot of a lot of uh, very willing people in the office wanting to give them a cuddle. That's great. That's um, really good. Yeah, yeah. That that yeah, all that kind yeah, of stuff. They're, they're the tips you know you're looking for. People, what we when we said you do what you can, and people do what they can to assist. They do. We have an amazing team. Um, and it got to the point, and this is this is where, when I've built Flora and Fauna, I very much feel we build a community, and that's not just customers; that is our team. Um, when when we gave when I had Alfie, because it was in May last year in the middle of COVID, I couldn't go. 
um, we couldn't take Woody to the hospital with us. And we're there going, well, what do we do? What do we do? And we can't, we're also going, we can't just give him to anyone. Mm-hmm. So what was amazing is, is the people I knew him best were our team. So Jan in our team, who was amazing, um, said, I'll look after him for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. So, so she looked after him for a couple of days. And it really is, it takes a village, right? So, mm-hmm. That's so true. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and that, yeah. yeah. But you've obviously so got a very good culture that you've been working on. Um, for someone, yeah, you know, yeah. to step forward and to lend that kind of support. Yeah, we're very open. We're very open, open culture. And I do not like hierarchy at all. Um, everyone can and should have an opinion. And I want those opinions. But we're also, so when we when we um, moved into the warehouse, I was very specific about what I wanted. So our we're all on one level. Um, so there's no office above the warehouse, which just creates, even just it having does. that, it's, yeah. it's mm. creating a hierarchy. I, I hear and what I you're saying. No, no. Yeah. Mm. yeah. We're just like, no, we won't do that. So we're all one level. You can walk in and out of the warehouse and the office freely and everyone does. I mean, it does mean that oh, the office is freezing. But anyway, mm. <laughs> um, um, but we have a really tight team mm. and that's very important for us. Mm. It's very important, Julie. What are your plans in terms of <clears throat> growth? You know, do you have an end plan in mind? Mm. You know, are you building to sell? You know, are you building yeah. and are you building to just keep building? Or is this something that, you know, you've worked on with the vision? Yeah. Tell us about that. Yeah, I think I think at the moment we we have so many goals that we still want to achieve. Um, and that can come in a few different ways in some ways but there is a lot we're we're really focused on achieving those goals um and there's a lot that we want to still do now will we get some funding or something along the way I think when you get when you get to a position where we are where we're quite we're a reasonable size now if you want to make changes as we do or if you have strategic initiatives it becomes more and more difficult to do those out of cash flow Mm, very true Mm. well even even though it's a a, quite a different business to what you've got we interview the ceo on this very podcast of adore beauty you know which became what is a listed company so you know you're saying a similar thing growth means you need money you need cash an entrepreneur often gets to a point where they either don't want to or they don't have required cash so you look elsewhere for that kind of thing yeah, yeah. and there's you know there's different ways you can get it obviously but it, it's I think the what I never want to do is sit still and that's just how I operate I was talking to someone yesterday who's had a business for years and they're very they've almost scaled it down because that's better for them and their family mm. um and but I'm that's not me that's I'm always very much a bit mm-hmm. of a it's not me. I'm always just like, no, let's 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 grow, let's mm. drive change. So, let's, so yeah, let's see so how far we can go when, with this. Exactly. Let's exactly right. Let's see how far we can go with this. So, so yeah. So there does come a point when you're kind of going, you, you know, we're looking at moving warehouse at the moment. That is for the size we're going to need. Um, that is not a small. Um, that is not a small expense. So, um, so yeah. So we're sort of keeping very firm, sort of, we are keeping our eye on, okay, what goals do we want to achieve as a business? And then actually 
what does that look like in terms of the structure? Julie, how do you frame success for yourself then? So for me, it's I'm very driven by change. So I'm not really very driven. I'm not driven at all by money. Mm. I say that as I sit here in a pair of leggings that are probably about 10 years too old. <laughs> that's, a, that's the beautiful thing about podcasts, you know. I'm sure you look great, exactly. but the beautiful thing about podcasts is no one can see us. Mm. No one can see. It's wonderful. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm personally not very interested in things. Um, so me personally having, um, it, success doesn't mean going, wow, I'm going to go buy this thing or, or whatever. That That is not success for me. Um, I am absolutely driven by driving change. So success is, have we made a difference to people's lives? Have we, um, have we upset the industry a little bit? And I get quite fueled by that, but for the better, for the better, you know, up, upset it to drive change. And, you know, and, and we do that in a, in a few ways, but I get quite fueled by that. And, um, and ultimately, am I happy? And that's I think good. that's a really, a really measure. important one. Yeah, it's a, a very good measure, yeah. Julie. If mm. you cast your mind back, and I, I'm not sure you said that you were from the north of England, and I'm, I'm wanting mm. to hear now um, something about, you know, Julie when she was 21, you know, and you might have been in the north oh. of England then, were you? I was at, I was at uni in my third year. I'm not go. sure you want those stories. Well, well, no, but you know, just picture her for a moment. But the Julie yeah. now who I'm talking to has an opportunity to go back. You know, we're we're doing the um, you know, the time travel thing mm. and sit down and talk with the university student Julie in the north of England. And <laughs> what what do you think you you'd like to say to her? What do you think that she could learn from your experience and we always say if she'd listen because we all know we can be obstinate you know when we're very young mm. <laughs> yeah yeah i i would say believe in yourself and be confident and also always be you always be you and don't be someone else and part of the reason for saying that is because that 21-year-old Julie was 24 years ago and my career has spanned some really interesting times. And I remember very early on in my career, someone saying to me, I was at, um, uh, it was my first role actually at John Lewis Department Stores, who I think is an amazing retailer in the UK. But um, And um, one of the managing directors, you had a managing director of each store and she came up to me and she said, Julie, I will, I will give you some advice you must rule with an iron fist. <laughs> yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember and I remember it really, really, really um, vividly. I can mm-hmm. remember her saying that to me now. And I can remember at the time just going, but that, that's not me. That's not That's you. not who no. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and I ultimately left, not because of that, mm-hmm. more because they were quite slow in helping people progress. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of at that young age getting itchy feet. But um I, but throughout my career, they're quite. I, I've heard a lot over the years. Um, have the face of a leader. Le- have have a facade, mm. and I, and I have seen someone try and do that, and 
pretty much have a breakdown on the back of it because mm. that's not who they are. Mm. And I have never done that. Mm. Um, and I think it's really, and I, and, I, and I know from myself, I am the best leader by being me. Mm. And what you see, what you hear on this podcast, what you see at work, what you see at home is all the same, Julie. Yeah, it's authentic. Um, well, see, the word rule, mm. Julie, for you, I mean, mm. you know, that that's kind of implies a certain kind of despotic, you know, nature. And you've yeah. said with your warehouse, you don't like hierarchy. So for you to say right. the world, I rule, it just doesn't already, the little time that I've been speaking to you, it doesn't work. Iron fist, you yeah. know, very aggressive, you know, iron, very you know, very, very inflexible very substance. A fist is an aggressive yeah. action. Fair hand yes. might be a better lead with yeah. a fair hand, you know, maybe that might have got yeah. you in, Julie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, this is right. And this is these are the words we're using, rule instead of lead, yes. inspire. Mm. There are, you know, we should be thinking about those roles. But I think it was the... This was back in 1998 when it was yeah. very difficult. Well, women Different. were really struggling to get yeah. to senior positions. Yes, um, mm. Still are a little bit. And often <laughs> it had to be. You had to show that kind of toughness because that yeah. was associated with being being leader. But I'd love to get you back yeah. um, and talk more about this. You know, I've really enjoyed <laughs> speaking with you. And I, as a former judge, you know, one of the Telstra judges, I have no doubt in my mind of why you were chosen to be the New South Wales small and succeeding business because you certainly are succeeding. And if you have time, come back and talk to us um, about more of your story and more of your growth plans. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I've really, I've really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> Terrific. Thank you. Terrific. Well, help us spread the word about Tilly Money as well because the aim of Tilly Money is to help women do things like close the gender gap, but also help women, you know, to achieve financial independence because you used the word choice a while ago too. And when you're financially independent, it does give you choices in life. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. No, thank you. I will most definitely spread that word. Fabulous. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Absolute pleasure to talk to you and look forward to doing that again. Awesome. Thanks, Maureen. Your host this week was Maureen Jordan. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. To keep up to date with all of our content, follow us on Instagram at tilly.money. Thanks to Ixon for our intro music.